This podcast is presented by Herrick and Hart SC. The materials presented are for general information, education, and entertainment purposes only and should not be constituted as formal legal advice or a formation of an attorney-client relationship. You should not rely on this information or its applicability to any specific circumstance without speaking with an attorney. Should you be seeking legal advice, please contact our office at 715-832-3491 or visit oaklawlaw.com. And welcome to Law Talk, presented by Herrick and Hart. I'm Scott. We've got a full team with us today. Going to discuss some things, legal matters from an entertaining standpoint and with a legal feel to them. Why don't we have the team introduce themselves today? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm uh, Kevin Dagg. I'm a general litigation attorney at Herrick and Hart. I am Allison Shepard. I am... Also, a attorney at Herrick and Hart, primarily focusing on family law and civil litigation. And hello, everyone. This is Stephanie Finn. I uh, practice primarily in business law and trusts and estates. All right. So what is the uh, the topic of focus today? I believe uh, uh, some, some things that have been in the news of late, including defamation. And I know a lot of people always tend to think, well, you know, that you're liable and def- defamation and you said something against me and all of that. Well, an opportunity for us to learn a little more about what that is. And it, it, it's a lot deeper than just saying you, you said something wrong about me or what could be construed as wrong about me. Right. So today we're going to kind of talk about some uh, recent controversy that's kind of been in the sports and entertainment world regarding a former beloved athlete of Wisconsin, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, So just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a background, kind of what's what's kind of been going on. So Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel have sort of kind of had this feud um, going on uh, since kind of the times of COVID. Well, recently Aaron Rodgers went on a sports uh, show, Pat McAfee show, and made some allegations against Jimmy Kimmel, um, basically saying that Jimmy Kimmel is going to be located or found on this uh, list related to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, And for anybody who doesn't know who Jeffrey Epstein is, uh, he is a person who was kind of a high-profile financier uh, related and had a lot of connections with the highest-profile people in American society, celebrities, including people like Bill Clinton, uh, Prince Andrew, Donald Trump. Well, uh, the biggest kind of thing that happened with him is that he was basically accused of running a, a sex trafficking ring and uh, now everybody's trying to connect all these high-profile people with that ring. So Aaron Rodgers basically accused Jimmy Kimmel of being on the Jeffrey Epstein list, thus accusing him, uh, although not directly saying it, I guess you could say, of being a, a pedophile. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel obviously uh, did not like that and basically uh, told him that um, on Twitter that uh, he was going to be uh, sued if he keeps making these allegations because uh, there's really no evidence that Jimmy Kimmel is on a list. So well, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I mean, so, you know, it, it is really interesting to see this sort of thing sort of play out in the media, right? So we have, <clears throat> first of all, we got Aaron Rodgers, who I, I think most people in Wisconsin will acknowledge has gone a bit off that deep end, what with his ayahuasca uh, journeys and whatnot. Uh but to run his mouth about a, a, a beloved 
late night television personality has created quite a, a bit of buzz. Um, and, and so sorry for, for interrupting there. It, it, it's just one of these things that these are famous people. These are common household names, especially here in the state of Wisconsin uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I guess that's an important part of all of this, isn't it, Kevin? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, because it's Aaron Rodgers and because he has such a connection with Wisconsin, we thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about, you know, uh, what is defamation and uh, how can that kind of, uh, what do you have to kind of have to prove in order to have a defamation uh, kind of claim? Um, so uh, we can kind of go through and talk about sort of what are the elements that we need to prove in order to have a, a defamation case. Um, Allison, do you do you have those elements? Uh, you know, Kevin, I, as I knew we were going to be talking about this, I, I did pull up a, a couple of cases to look at what all those rules were. Um, so what I will say is, sorry, I had my mic down. Um, <clears throat> there are generally three elements to proving a defamation claim. And the first and most important aspect of this is that the statement is a false statement. Um, so if, if somebody is saying something that may be harmful to a person's character, but is true, that isn't defamation. So the next element, and this is when we talk about elements, those are things that need to be proven in court. So the second element is that the statement was communicated by speech, by conduct, or in writing to a person other than the person defamed. So, uh, you know, basically making a statement to anybody else, uh, to that per to another person about that person, uh, would, and it was a false statement, are the two elements you need so far. The third element is that the information which was communicated is unprivileged and tends to harm one's reputation so as to lower the person in the estimation of the community or to deter third persons from associating or dealing with the person. So um, those are, are the three main elements to defamation case. There are sort of further um, analyses that the court does as well. Um, and so those first three that I listed are specific to the state of Wisconsin. There is a Supreme Court case which adds a constitutional element to uh, Supreme, or excuse me, to defamation actions. And this is why I said earlier that it, it kind of matters uh, that these are household names because in Per the Wisconsin, uh, excuse me, the United States Supreme Court, the this final element is related to the status of the dependent, or excuse me, the plaintiff. So, if the plaintiff is considered a public official, then um, they must prove by clear and convincing evidence that the defamatory statement was made with actual malice, and actual malice is defined as uh, a standard that requires the allegedly defamatory statement to be made with knowledge that it was false or with reckless disregard of whether it was false or not. And so the Supreme Court has, and this is again the United States Supreme Court, has said that the constitutional actual malice standard um, applies to public figure plaintiffs. What is a public figure? All right, these are a lot of definitions, so I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, a public figure is gonna be somebody generally that if for all purposes due to general fame or notoriety is known to the public. 
So let me interrupt you real quick mm -hmm. there. So in this uh, little tiff between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel, if Jimmy Kimmel is the one who's going to be the plaintiff and try to bring a lawsuit that says, hey, Aaron Rodgers defamed me, Jimmy Kimmel would likely meet that definition of public figure that you just gave. Exactly. A public figure is a person who is a well-known celebrity or whose name is a household word, and the person's words and deeds are followed by... Uh, is followed by a relevant portion of the public because that portion of the public deems that person worthy of attention. So basically, you know, if, if it's a person that people are like, oh, yeah, hey, that's that's a, a celebrity. Now, there are, uh, of course, a couple of different ways you can be a celebrity. Uh, one is if you have, for example, inserted yourself into a public controversy, you may be considered a limited public figure for limited purposes in that you may not be a Jimmy Kimmel or an Aaron Rodgers, but maybe you're you're really involved in the local excise tax debate. And then one of the city councilors defames you and says, that guy is a real jerk. So for those purposes, you may be considered a limited public figure, in which case then you would also need to prove that actual malice. And the actual malice standard is really important in a defamation case because it's more than just, I made a false statement. It's a, I made a false statement and I knew it was a false statement. And I made it specifically to make people not like you. Right. So if they're a celebrity, you could say, uh, if they're the plaintiff, this, the bar to prove that they were defamed is, is a little bit higher, right? It is. Yes. Okay. So pretty much we kind of give fair game for maybe saying some not so nice things about people that are in the public realm that we don't permit people to do with regular ordinary citizens. Sort of like you, you stepped into the public limelight. You're going to have to take a little bit more heat and understand that maybe people are going to be talking some smack about you for lack of a better word. Right. And uh, unless they're really out there trying to to purposely defame you, purposely lower your reputation within the community, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much just going to have to sit and take it. Right. Right. And, you know, even without that actual malice standard for public officials, being able to prove the elements for regular people is a, a pretty tough hill to climb. You know, it's one of those type of things that... Um, you know, defamation trials and defamation cases for, I guess you could say regular people are, are, are pretty rare, right? I'm not, I'm not off on that, right? I, I absolutely agreed. Um, and I, I mean, what we're often looking at is, is what are we trying to accomplish with a lawsuit? Are we trying to get damages and make you whole? Are we trying to correct the public record? You know, and, and so in cases like this, it can be really difficult to try to uh, specify what monetary damages might be or to be able to prove how your your reputation has been char harmed and to assign a monetary value to that. Um, so often it's not worth it to pursue these claims. Interestingly, in Wisconsin, um, defamation can also be charged as a crime. It is a misdemeanor. It is. Um, I, yeah. And so in that case, yes, it can be fined by a fine of a punish of, excuse me, punishable by a fine of no more than $10,000 and or nine months in prison. Right. Yeah. And, let, you know, we don't um, have the statistics about how often DAs charge this crime, but I assume it's probably not that high either. No, <laughs> I mean, it, it really isn't. And the thing is, unfortunately, we 
we live in a world where people talk smack about one another. Right. And and so it's a it's a matter of how thick skinned you can be. It, let it in my opinion and in my experience a lot of times when people are upset about things that other people have said about them or posted on Facebook, honest to gosh, it's gonna just be better for you to let it roll off your back and move on. You're you're unlikely to accomplish what you want in the legal system through a defamation case if someone has wronged you in that regard. And then, of course, there was the famous exception, though, from last year that that uh, the Johnny Depp, a- Amber Heard, you right. know, Johnny Depp uh, was successful in establishing that Amber Heard had defamed him. Well, but that was a, a, an exception. It was. And I mean, again, he was one of these public figures that had to prove that actual malice aspect of it as well. So, yeah, and he was uh, able to also prove that he actually did suffer actual damages from the um, defamation. Uh, I think kind of what his whole case was is that because of this defamation, these accusations, uh, nobody wanted to hire him to play any any movies. Right. (laughs) And there was speculation that he had lost his Jack Sparrow uh, contract over it. So, yeah, it was there was a case where you were able to prove damages. Now, the average Joe it's going to be much more difficult unless somebody has made a false statement about you that has resulted in the loss of your job or, or something to that effect and you can prove it. It, it is very difficult to have a successful defamation case. Right now, kind of coming back to maybe stuff that is more um, local, more stuff that, you know, us as a firm kind of deal with on everyday basis, you know, you have defamation, but sometimes that can kind of also transform into stuff like uh, harassment um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the things that we kind of see a lot here are, you know, neighbor disputes where <laughs> one neighbor is harassing the other neighbor and they won't leave each other alone and it causes problems. So one of the ways that, um, you know, you can uh, sort of remedy that situation would be to file what's called a, a restraining order. We see a lot more of those at, at where we are, right? Yeah, and, and a restraining Training order is for people's knowledge. Obviously, if, if somebody's harassing you or bothering you, you can get a restraining order. It's a piece of paper that says, this person needs to stay a certain amount of feet away from me, can't contact me this way or this way. Um, and it does provide another layer of protection aside from just being able to contact law enforcement um, if there's somebody that's bothering you. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple different types of restraining orders. There is obviously the harassment and then there is, a, I guess, a more serious one when it comes to like a domestic uh, domestic abuse. Right. Yep. Uh, and those are the two main types of restraining orders we see. It's either going to be a harassment restraining order or a domestic abuse restraining order. A harassment restraining order is going to be a more general type of restraining order. Um, and the elements that need to be proven really are, are essentially that there's an individual that's engaging a course of conduct which serves no legitimate purpose except for to harass or intimidate. And this can be through things like threats, through messages, through ongoing conduct, um, and you need to demonstrate that to the court. The court will typically issue a temporary restraining order before the matter is heard uh, just because they do think that there's some exigent circumstances uh, that you know, it's probably better safe than sorry to enter that initial restraining order. After the temporary restraining order would be issued, there would be a hearing and both parties would be able to be able to present their side of the case, at which point um, the court would either issue a restraining order or dismiss the action. Now, with 
restraining orders, it isn't going to be the same burden of proof that you have in a criminal case where it's going to be, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt that it needs to be proven with absolute certainty. It's going to be uh, by, I believe it's a clear and convincing evidence, more likely than not to have happened uh, or likely to occur to a likely to occur in the future. So harassment restraining orders are the most common. The second type would be those domestic abuse restraining orders, similar to a harassment restraining order, but with an additional element that you need to be related to the individual in some manner. So boyfriend, girlfriend, former roommates, uh, former, or you know, family members, uh, husbands, wives, people like that who you have had an intimate relationship with relationship with in one way or another. Then the level of conduct does um, in those increase a bit more as to what needs to be proven. Um, and so it is more related to the actual uh, more physical intimidation and violence aspect of uh, why people would need that protection. Um, you know, we, we do a number of restraining order actions here, uh, both defending and um, on the side of the petitioner. Uh, for people who are seeking out assistance needing a restraining order and maybe don't have funds or income, there are a lot of resources in the area as well as in the state. Um, Judicare of Wisconsin um, does offer free or low cost legal services for people who are victims of domestic abuse, as well as there's the Family Resource Center here in Eau Claire and Chippewa, as well as the Bolton Refuge House. All of those institutions are able to assist you in filing a restraining order if you're unable to pay for one. And is that something that the free legal clinic um, can assist people with as well or advise people on? I know we've talked about them before and I, this might be a good time to remind listeners that there is that resource for people in our community. Yes, and so that's going to be the third Wednesday of each month at the Ellie Phillips Memorial Library from 530 to 7.30. Um, and they're able to provide you some basic information. So for example, if you go online and you find the form and you have some questions about filling it out, they'd be happy to walk you through and answer your questions about that. It is um, a very limited representation that they do in that it, it's only going to be a baby's a 15 minute consultation at the library and not really ongoing representation. So one thing I always tell people to keep in mind, too, is like if you get uh, like a, a restraining order filed against you, at least in Eau Claire County, um, the, the court that hears those uh, petitions are, are court commissioners, right? So what people need to remember is that if you do get, uh, you know, you go to court without representation and the commissioner finds that there is enough you know, evidence to support issuing a restraining order, you do have a chance um, to actually ask for that to be reviewed by a circuit court judge, what's called a de novo hearing. So um, just because it's granted by the commissioner, you do get a second chance, kind of second kick at the can. Um, so, um, but you only have a limited time to file that. So if you go in to the commissioner, the commissioner grants one, you're not happy with that decision, you want to appeal that, you need to get to an attorney's office like right away. Yeah. And, and that works both ways as well. So if you go to the court commissioner stage and you're the one seeking the restraining order and the court commissioner denies it, you too can de novo it to a circuit court judge. Mm -hmm. Correct. And a, a restraining order will typically be granted for a period of four years. Um, as a family attorney, I'm, I'm just going to state that more often than not, restraining orders end up being 
more difficult to navigate with a co-parenting relationship than uh, often people would anticipate. Um, if you're raising a child together, you may not like each other, but there's oftentimes that you're going to need to communicate with one another. Um, and so, you know, the court will often order that there still be communication between the parties, maybe through a monitored co-parenting app um, or other ways. But, you know, just something to keep in mind. A restraining order isn't going to necessarily mean you don't have to co-parent with that other person. Or see them. I mean, <laughs> little Johnny or Susie only has so many school Christmas concerts or events. And, you know, um, those all have to be then managed in the context of that restraining order. Who can go? Who can't go? Who's, you know, where you have to sit? All those types of things. Exactly. So it, and I mean, I have had cases where it has absolutely backfired on people thinking, oh, I got this restraining order. That means I get to go to all of the things and they can't. And the court said, nope, you get to go to every other. Oh, right. <laughs> Right, because, you know, when it comes to family cases, we want both parents to have, you know, they want at the be at the outset, they want to be able to have co-parenting, right? So one yeah. parent's trying to, you know, you could say, quote unquote, play games with a restraining order, trying to keep one parent out of it. The court doesn't like that. No, no. And, and the court's going to say, yeah, you got a restraining order. You can't bother each other. But guess what? You're still going to have to co-parent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, if, if, like I said, you know, and like we said, if you guys, um, any listeners need any help with any of these kind of things, you know, defamation, restraining order, that's stuff that we do here. Um, Not and the defamation, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, well, we can certainly uh, at least uh, at least give, take your call and maybe give you other firms that maybe would be able sure. to help you with that. Sure. Um, but for sure, come and see us if you have any issues with restraining order, family issues, and, and all that. So. Look at that celebrity gossip, law on one, my right. favorite. Right, and I guess you know the uh, I guess the last final thing you know the most recent update for the Jimmy Kimmel Aaron Rodgers. You know, basically Jimmy Kimmel said if Aaron Rodgers apologizes uh, on Pat McAfee, I will drop the whole thing. Well, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is somebody who we've kind of uh, understood that he is never wrong. He's he's never wrong. He's <laughs> never gonna apologize. And I also read that he's not allowed to be on the Pat McAfee show anymore. Right, <laughs> but then the very next day he was. <gasps> Yeah. Okay, so okay. Th yeah. So <laughs> right. So, well, thank you all for listening to a law talk with Eric and Hart, and we will see you next time. Yay! <laughs> Here at Claire Hometown Media, we're proud to have as one of our longest-serving partners the fine folks with Stokes, Proc, and Munt Funeral Chapel and the Cremation Society of Wisconsin. Right here, Randy tells us why cremation has become so popular in our area, around 80% in Eau Claire County alone. Well, it takes a lot of stress off the family because, you know, if their parents come in and do that, uh, that's the ultimate gift they can give to their kids because so often people don't want to talk about this. When people prearrange and prepay, people like that. And it gives them financial security because that money is in an irrevocable trust. Nobody can touch it in, until the time of death. And then there's less of a financial burden on the kids. Because a lot of times their parents don't tell them what their asset situation is. You know, they keep that private.